Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Faith Podcast. I hope you are well in the midst of the season that oh, just seems to be dragging on forever and ever and ever and ever, doesn't it? it every day feels um, kind of like the same. Um, in the words of the fearless Tyler Durden from Fight Club, every day is a copy of a copy of a copy. And when I speak with people, there's a sense of like this new normal online school, Zoom calls, social distancing, staying at home for days on end. It's almost like it's it's settling in. There's this there's this new normal. There's this new routine, and yet one of the things I've heard from a lot of people pretty routinely is people just feel worn out and tired. Um, no matter how much we sleep, whatever it is, just we just feel tired. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even going to do a podcast this week. Um, we've been doing so much at Denver Community Church and pushing so much content, and I thought I'm not. I I'm just going to tap out. Uh, and post that on Instagram. (laughs) And then I thought, wait a second, Um, let's talk about this. If I'm feeling this and so many of us are feeling this, chances are you're listening to this and you're like, yes, I'm I'm tired. So I thought like, you know what, today we're going to change it up a little bit. In honor of being tired and worn out together, um, I, I don't even have notes. Usually I have like you know, seven, eight pages of things written out. So by the way, this episode could totally, could totally suck. This could be a total bomb. Um, but I really just wanted it to share more of what I'm seeing and hearing from so many others who are willing to, to share with me and, and also experiencing in my own life. Because if your experience is anything like mine, no matter how much sleep or no matter how little sleep you get, um, whether you're like a couch potato or you're exercising, um, there's there's just this sense in which like no matter what we do, we feel tired. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll give a few thoughts on that. I have been writing things down throughout this time of like things that are hitting me and striking me about my life, the way I live it, the way we collectively live it. Um, So I thought maybe we'll talk a little bit about what is it that's causing us to be tired, to feel tired. Um, and maybe to become more mindful, uh, about the things that are causing us to feel tired so that if we can do them less, we will have maybe more energy for the important things. Um, and maybe, yeah, how to, how to be aware of what we can do then beyond that to stay healthy, to, um, conserve energy and to create energy even in the midst of this fatiguing time. So, um, what's making us tired? Um, I actually spoke to a friend a couple of days ago about this, and he had this great insight. He, he's he been on Zoom calls for hours every day, which just to me sounds, just sounds like hell. And a lot of the calls he's on, he's leading them. And he was saying to me that he's, everybody's muted and nobody's looking him in the eye because they're all looking at him on their screen and he said, I'll crack a joke and I don't know if people are laughing or even if there's like, you know, a smile, like he's like, there's, there's no, there's no connectivity the way there is when we're in a room, uh, in the meetings that I'm leading online now. And as he was talking, he began sharing about, I'm putting out all of this energy. I'm putting out all this emotional and spiritual energy and I'm not getting anything back. And I thought about this, like whether it's FaceTime with friends, um, I've been on video conference calls, both with people who I'm meeting with 
um, from Denver Community Church on Zoom calls with our staff, with our lead team, endless amounts of video phone calls, and they drive me insane. (laughs) Um, On Sundays, I preach to a camera, which is the weirdest thing ever. But there's three people in the room, one person um, working the soundboard, one person who is uh, working the slides, and one person working the cameras. And I'm preaching to a camera. I have no idea how it's going to go over. I have no idea who's going to see it. Um, I'm looking into the camera, but nobody's looking back. And as my friend and I were talking about this, what we found is there's obviously less of a connection with technology. Um, And what so many of us find ourselves doing is we're putting almost like more energy into the camera, into the Zoom call, because we want to do everything we can to connect with people. We want to do everything we can to know that we're, we're there, that we're present, but it doesn't come back to you. So like when I'm, when I'm preaching and there's a camera in front of me um, and it feels like a studio, <laughs> which is not my, um, that, that's not like my home base, and you're just going after it and giving it and getting um, energetic and nothing is coming back. There's like no reciprocation. That over time, that begins to wear you down. That begins to um, really make us tired. And it's because when you're in the room with somebody and you crack a joke, um, they, if it's a good joke, they'll laugh back at you. If you um, get a little bit emotional, you might see them kind of move toward you with their gaze or with their body, whatever it is. There's some sort of reciprocation when we're in a room together. That's just not there when it comes to technology. And what's interesting is the more he and I talked about this, I thought, well, maybe this is one of the reasons um, there's just kind of a general fatigue, uh, maybe anxiety, I should say, in our culture, because how many of us do this on social media? How many of us, we put ourselves out there um, or we put our best selves out there, which is what most of us do on social media? You know, we, we make a post, um, we have some commentary with it. Uh, this perfect picture, whatever it is on Instagram or Facebook, or um, and then we keep going back to see who liked it. We keep going back to see who commented. We keep going back to see who commented and what they actually said. And I'm wondering, like maybe one of one of the unhealthy things, among others, about social media is that we put ourselves out there and we get nothing in return, and it's just this like void. And so, yeah, you can get I don't know 100 likes on a picture, but now you have to come up with another one. And, and so this whole technology thing, it's like it's putting the burden almost squarely on each individual to just continued output with very, very little input. Um, and in the end, it's, it's incredibly tiring. I think another reason, enough about technology, as I sit in front of a computer with a microphone hooked up to it, um, is grief and loss. I... I the conversations I'm having most in a, in a pastoral context uh, boil down to people are sad. There's like just the general sadness. And I've, I've felt this. I feel this actually every Sunday morning um, when we're doing church online. Yes, it's great to type comments to people, <laughs> um, to like comments and so on and so forth. 
But there is nothing, um, nothing like being in a room with people on a Sunday morning and being able to give people hugs and see them and interact with them. And so like that right there, just that, that is a loss. And when I'm speaking with people, what I'm finding is um, some people have lost a job. Some people have lost a place to live because they lost their job. Now they have to move out. And so they lose relationships in the way that they once existed with roommates. Um, There's a sense of loss of ways that we've just gone about doing things in our normal everyday life in the other world. Um, And when I'm speaking with people, there's almost this, this sadness that comes up, this sadness that comes out in them. And uh, when it comes to this idea of grief, this is something I think that we need to move toward. Um, but again, all of that emotional output, it's, it's just tiring. And then, of course, there's just the general uh, heightened anxiety, the fear, the uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't have control over what's happening, which um, I mentioned this somewhere at some point. Um, it's always been like that. Like we actually never know what's happening. My my mentor, um, when he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, he started using the phrase all the time, Lord willing, <laughs> um, which is a good practice. He would say, yeah, I'm going to go do this tomorrow, Lord willing. And he explained to me when he was faced with a terminal illness, he was confronted with the fact that while he always believed he knew it was going to come, while he always believed in a sense he knew the future and could make plans, he was suddenly confronted with the fact that he he couldn't do that anymore. And that's where we are. We We are confronted with all the things that we've never actually known, it just feels way more real in this moment. And it's the same way too with controlling. Um, you know, we, we're a pretty upwardly mobile uh, culture. And all of a sudden now we, we feel like we absolutely have zero control over anything in our lives. And so when you think about this anxiety and this loss of control and this pronounced sense in which we do not know the future... How many of us are trying to hold it all together? Um, How many of us are trying to say, like, just even make the best of it as a way of ignoring the realities of where we are, as a way of kind of um, maybe trying to get back to normal. And so we expend all of this energy um, trying to make the best of it, trying to hold it together, trying to just get through another day, Um, and maybe maybe we need a little bit of surrender to the circumstances. Um, and I mean, all of these things, this technology that's that's kind of in our face all the time, um, all the output of energy, emotional, spiritual, grief, loss, um, all of the anxiety that's come with this. What else did we talk about? The, the not knowing the future control, of course, is going to make us tired. Um, and so... Maybe just a few thoughts on that, and then uh, we'll wrap it up, because it's going to be a short one. <laughs> it's going to be a really short podcast, but I thought, oh, I'll share some some ideas. Um, first, it's it's important to remember, and it, I mean, it's worth stating, even though it's very obvious, we can't go back to normal right now. Uh, normal is far away, and I don't know how soon we're going to go back to normal. There are some people who are predicting all sorts of uh, things. Everyone's got their own timeline they're going going on. But for right now, we cannot go back to normal. So for example, in D- the city of Denver, restaurants are closed until May 11. So that's uh, three weeks, which sounds so depressing. You're like, oh my goodness, three weeks. We've already been at this five weeks. 
So we have three more weeks to go before a restaurant even opens. If, by the way, restaurants are even allowed to open. So we can't go back to normal. But here's a question um, that I've been thinking about is how do we create rhythms? Um, because remember, in the other world, there is a rhythm. Everything exists on a rhythm. Um, everything has a, has a uh, on and off switch, if you will. Uh, even the smallest particles of existence actually have a rhythm. They, they have a vibration to them, an energy to them, a frequency to them. So for some reason, we as human beings, um, so many of us, we don't have a daily rhythm. So I'm wondering, how, how do we develop a rhythm in this season? How do we create a rhythm when, when things feel weird? Like right now, again, I'm in my basement. I don't know how much background noise there's been, but my kids are upstairs in online school. And um, so how do we create a rhythm? How do we say, this is um, when I wake up, this is what I'm going to do in the morning? Um, just this regular circadian rhythm. Maybe it's just uh, allowing ourselves for this season to live according to the rhythms of nature versus the rhythms of culture. Um, but what is it that can keep a rhythm for you? Maybe it's a daily routine. Maybe it's a, um, something that you're going to do at a certain time every day and you make an agreement that you're going to do X, Y, and Z before you do that. Uh, one of the things that I've, I've begun doing is I go for a walk by myself every morning. Um, I, and I don't have my phone on. I'm not looking at it. I just, I, I go out and I want to hear the birds. I want to smell the air. Uh, I want to feel the breeze. I want to see the trees. This is something that is like the start to my day. It's a way for me to to go from like being in bed, getting ready, drinking coffee to getting ready to work, getting ready to be here, getting uh, ready to be present. So how do you structure your day? Um, and, and maybe this is something if you live with other people, you can begin talking about um, because structure and rhythm can often be hard from... Um, for us. Another thought is, how do we begin taking a break from technology? Um, now, I know in this season, technology can be good. Um, my wife and I were actually able to speak with her uncle and his wife, who we adore. They live in Virginia, and we hadn't seen them in like two years. But we, um, sometime this week, spent a couple hours or an hour with them, I think, online uh, on a Zoom call, of course. But it was good to see them. I also got a text from one of my really good friends from college, and we've loosely kept in touch, but there's a group of six of us that have long connected with one another. And he sent a text to the whole group and said, hey, why don't we do a virtual happy hour, which is apparently <laughs> becoming a thing. So yes, there's the good side of it, but technology can also be incredibly draining. Um and it can actually be, for so many of us, an escape from real life. And so in the other world, I knew people who would talk about spending one or two hours a day on, um, on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. One to two hours a day. I'm, that, we're escaping something if we're doing that. We're, we're trying to dodge something. And what I've seen for, from some is an increase in engagement with social media, an increase with engagement, um, with technology. And, um, again, technology can be helpful, but an increase in a time where there's an increase in anxiety can serve as an escape. So, uh, take a break from technology, write it down, tell somebody, maybe you just make a date, um, or a time of, I'm going to have my phone with me in these hours and in these hours, uh, I'm not. And so again, just being aware of the technology piece. Um, I think with grief, 
we're not strong with grief culturally. Um, our country, we, well, the United States is all about winning and conquering. And so grief has no place in that narrative. And we deny grief over and over and over. Uh, Walter Brueggemann in, has a, a short book written about the Psalms, and he talks about how we have defiantly ignored the Psalms of lament and insisted on living in the ignorance of our bliss, which is really actually not even bliss at all. Bliss at all. He says it's, this is like the, the ultimate picture of denial. And, and so again, with grief, I think what's happening is these waves are hitting us in a way where we can't deny it anymore and we don't know what to do with it. And so maybe, maybe we need to start naming our losses. Uh, years ago, I went to grief counseling, and the first thing I did was I wrote down everything that felt like a loss over the last three years. And as I began writing that list, then I took one thing at a time. This was at the advice of my therapist. Um, and I began re writing out what it felt like to lose that what it did to me, what I missed, what I loved about it, um, what was great about it, all these things. And so it's writing it down, write down, name it, name what you've lost, and then write down um, what you loved about it, what you miss about it, what, uh, how it helped you. Um, and then the other piece too is learning to feel this emotion deeply. Where This is another thing our culture is not good at. Our culture is really good at thinking. Um, we're not so good at feeling. And I say this as someone who, <laughs> who experiences this. I, uh, as Richard Rohr describes it, my kind of, my, my type of personality, he says, this kind of personality is really good at talking about how they feel, but not feeling how they feel. And so one of the things I've begun doing, and why this might sound even a little bit crazy, is when I'm feeling something, like feeling it in my body, uh, or I have an emotion that I can't wrestle to the ground I'm learning to pay attention to the emotion and then actually put my, like express the emotion with my body. So if I'm feeling anxiety, it's like I pull my hands in kind of close, close to uh, each other, right up against my chest, under my chin. And I do like just this kind of squinching kind of idea, like everything in me is tense. And so I'll make, allow my body to be like that as a way of giving expression to it. Um, and then I think too, is just letting it out. Um, I have a friend who was telling me that she connected with, uh, a group of friends that, um, they hadn't, I mean, they just haven't seen each other, like all of us. And when they were able to connect, um, actually, of course, on video call, there was just like tears that came to everybody's eyes and they just cried. They let it out. And I think, um, for me, I found a lot of moments where all of a sudden tears just well up unexpectedly. And I'm learning more and more. I'm going to let those flow. I'm just going to let them out. I got to let all, got to let all of this stuff out. We've got to, we've got to get it out. Another thing, by the way, um, <laughs> I just keep laughing because I'm like, it's pretty, I hope it's obvious that I don't have notes in front of me or that I have no outline to this one. If it's not, that means that, <laughs> that means all my other episodes sound like this, which it's killing me how imperfect this whole thing is, by the way, just so you know. Um, but I would say this, stop sucking in media. That would be maybe the best advice I could give anybody right now. Um, I have, <laughs> yeah, be informed, um, but limit your intake because there are 
so many competing narratives. There's so much, let me just be like frank, so many people are stupid in the way that they write. Um, And by stupid, I mean not like that they don't have information. It's the poor application of the information that they they do have. Foolish might be a better word. Um, And so much of what's being pumped out there right now is not um, an effort to keep you informed or help you. It's an effort to um, continue to engage you in their content. And so the way that they do that, um, which I think we talked about before, is just through fear, fear fear-based headlines. And this is what I see in the media over and over. And now, predictably, no shocker here, we're getting more and more politicized with it. And it's just, yeah, I would say... um, set a time limit. So what I do every day is I don't read any news until the late afternoon. And even with that, I'm very, very limited on what I take in. Um, and so again, for you, maybe it's figuring out a time that you can read something that you commit to not clicking on the really terrifying headlines that you only take it in from a few sources. Again, you can keep those sources diverse. So you're not just getting one perspective and maybe actually going to, um, like the CDC website, the world health organization website. If you're here in Colorado, you can go to, um, Colorado has a whole page committed to this. And so you can get the facts. And so again, just breathe, uh, and stop doing that. And then of course, there's just take care of yourself. Um, one of the things I'm learning, uh, in this season is I really, I really like to be productive. As a matter of fact, I like to be productive in a way and at a level that I never realized until this whole thing happened. And I found myself being less productive working at home. Um, and I'm learning how to say like, yeah, I don't need to do that. So for example, (laughs) I wasn't going to do a podcast today. And then I was like, no, maybe I, maybe I should, maybe I should just get on like tired and worn out. And I put out a lot of content and see how this whole thing goes. And so there's a sense in which I sat down in front of my computer and I was really tempted, like, no, you need to, you need to write this outline. People need to hear what, like, and then I'm like, no, no, actually, no, I'm not going to do this. So don't feel the need to do it. Uh, to do it all. Don't feel the need to do it all just right. Um, because here's the deal. We will come through this. And I realize that um, some of us are fortunate enough to still have a job. And so there are things required of us. But give yourself a lot of grace. Give yourself a lot of room to um, to be still. Enjoy this time where the whole world had to hit the p- collective pause button. And we're just here. And we, we can't get ourselves out of it. Um, know that we will come through this. And I don't know uh, what it will look like on the other end, but I will say this. As we move through this time, um, it's possible that maybe the most important thing we can do is examine ourselves. There's something called the uh, prayer of examine. You can look it up. It's uh, ex. A-M-E-N, the prayer of examine. Um, and it, it's a tradition within the church of, it's an evening prayer, and it's a way of looking at your day and looking at yourself. Um, there are some parents who do this. It's called rose, bud, and thorn. It's with their kids. What, what a, Rose, what are you thankful for? Bud, what are you hopeful for? Thorn, what was hard today? Um, and so I think those are the questions. How are we doing now? 
Um, what are the emotions that are surfacing and how do we attend to them? Not just pay attention to the emotions, but maybe get at like what's happening behind those emotions as a way of um, being honest with ourselves and being honest with what's happening. And um, because we're, when I say we're going to get through this time, so many people are asking, um, you know, what's going to change or how will we be different? And I think if we're not engaging those questions in a real way now, we're not going to engage those questions when we get to the, uh, to the other world, when things go back to the way they were, whatever the, that new normal looks like. But I don't think we can, we can't necessarily forecast this is where it's going to be culturally, nationally, globally, but we can say this is, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm seeing. And here's what I'm going to employ in this season so that when the world goes back to normal, um, then I will hopefully go back transformed. I will go back and be a little bit different. And so I would say, you know, for the energy that we do have left over, um, maybe that energy should be spent caring for ourselves, um, caring for those closest to us, um, connecting as deeply as possible with those in our sphere of influence. And um, maybe then when we go back, we will be different. And maybe we will be more rested than we are now. Uh, And that's my hope for you. That's my hope for me. That's my hope for us. That's my hope for this world. So um, that's all I have for today. It's a short one. Like I said, uh, no notes, no planning, just a little bit of sharing. Uh, I'm tired, uh, worn out feeling. I think so many of you listening might feel tired, might feel worn out. And so my prayer for all of us is that we will move move courageously uh, toward greater and greater health in this season. Um, And that we'll do it together and that we'll carry one another. So like I said, that's it for today, my friends. Uh, Next episode in a couple of weeks, um, I do have a plan for that one. Uh, Colby Martin, a good friend of mine, just came out with a new book called The Shift. And he is going to be on the episode with us. And I cannot wait for you to hear from Colby and his experience. So uh, until that time, though, uh, as always, much love and peace be with you.